Hello and welcome to episode 12 of my podcast, I Stand Strong. I am once again Teddy, coming at you from my bear cave in the concrete jungle of the beautiful Northwest. Um, so today I'm going to kind of, I'm going to have to use a term I don't really care for to do, to, to do this one, just because it makes it easier to describe. But uh, yeah, I think we're going to talk about guilty pleasure movies. Um... I say I don't like to use that term because I don't believe you should ever feel guilty about liking something you like, um, whether it's good or it's bad, um, which I'll, I'll get into as I go. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I've, I've kind of made it clear I'm a, I'm a horror fan and eh, I kind of watch a lot of movies. Um, I don't, you know, because I don't really get out a whole lot. That's kind of my main, my main thing between, you know, other than that and you know, my gaming and my comics and whatnot, but <clears throat> we'll focus on the movies at the moment. Um, so yeah, it's like, you know, I'm, I am a strong believer that there is such thing as a so bad it's good movie. Um, some people do tend to call those guilty pleasure movies. Like you should feel guilty for enjoying to watch something that you have fun watching. Um, but I think that's kind of bad. I mean, it sounds like you're punishing yourself for enjoying something. Um, but yeah, so I'll just kind of break into my, you know, like my favorite guilty pleasure movies or the, the movies I like that I know are not great. You know, um, my personal term term for it is cinematic junk food. Um, because, like I said, I don't feel guilty about it. It's just, you know, but I know the movies are very very you know they're they're fun to watch but there's no no nutritional value so to speak um you know my prime example usually is the go-to of tank girl that movie is just cheesy over the top makes no sense fun but at the same time it's you know it's not going to win the academy awards it didn't deserve to win the academy awards i mean it had some decent special effects for the, uh, the kangaroo people, but I mean, it really wasn't, you know, it, did it need to be going? Does, ev- does every movie have to be going for Academy Award? Cause I don't think it does. Um, are there movies that I like that I believe get kind of snubbed because they're in the wrong genre? Heck yes. But that's, that's topic for another time, I guess. Um, yeah, I'll use Tank Girl as my prime example right now because, yeah, it's like, I mean, Lori Petty puts in a fun performance. You can tell she probably had a hell of a lot of fun playing that part, just getting to go completely crazy with the character. Um, But, you know, I mean, but then you also had people like, you know, I mean, given she wasn't popular, she wasn't really known yet, but you had Na- Naomi Watts, really young Naomi Watts in there as... Uh, Oh, what was she? I can't remember what her character was like helicopter girl or jet girl or something like that. Like tank girl sidekick. Um, and you had, uh, Malcolm McDowell playing the villain. And you know, I'm, I'm a sucker for a good Malcolm McDowell, just chewing, chewing the scenery. Um, you know, he, he's one of those guys that I feel it's like he can act, but when he chooses to just take a role and just have some fun with it, man, he can play a good villain, you know, that just 
like I said, just kind of sitting there chewing the scenery, not trying to be, not trying to take itself so seriously. <clears throat> um, but then you have like, you know, like I, I, I really kind of enjoy Ice-T pl- playing as one of, you know, under all the makeup, of course, playing one of the, uh, I can't remember what they call the car- the the creatures, but they were like half kangaroo, half human predator looking things. Um, and yeah, it just it's you know a simple premise of nuclear waste, you know, nuclear wasteland in. I'm guessing it's supposed to take place in Australia. I don't think they really ever make that clear, from what I remember. It's been a while since I have watched it. Um, but you know it. You know, you got a, a a corporation running, you know, like controlling all the water, but then you have these like outskirt groups, which is like where Tank Girl kind of starts. You know, she's like part of this kind of small community that steals what they need to to keep themselves alive, be it power, food, whatnot. You know, one day the the organization or this corporation hits her, you know, attacks her her group and I want to say only her and a, a little girl are the only survivors of the, the attack. And she gets locked away in this prison and is kind of tortured by, by Malcolm McDowell, but not really at the same time. She's just locked in a straight jacket. And of course it leads to some great jokes. And then of course, when she gets out, she steals a tank and Naomi, she befriends Naomi Watts while in, in the prison. And, she steals, like I said, I want to say it's like a jet. Um, but yeah, it's 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 not a great movie. I mean, it's it's like I said, it's not going to win any Academy Awards. It's not you know, it's not trying to change the industry or anything. It's just a good, fun movie to watch. You know, put it on in the background sometimes and let it play while you're doing some stuff. I mean, I can do that with great movie. You know, like movies like Lord of the Rings as well. Um. But, you know, back to my, my, my kind of my, my original comment is, d- does everything have to win an Oscar? I mean, or be up for winning Oscars? I mean, I don't think it does. Um, but yeah, Tank Girl's kind of like the, the, I think Tank Girl comes to mind because it's like the first one I can really remember acknowledging it wasn't a great movie, but I had fun with it. Um, but then you get into like, I'm... I'm such a sucker for those 80s action flicks, you know? I mean, if you, if you look back at those, a lot of those movies like Commando, they're not great movies, but they are fun. Um, which is why, like, I I am completely unapologetic for liking all three Expendables movies. I mean, you're giving me every actor that was in those, well, these mostly actors that were in all those 80s action, 80s and early 90s action flicks. And just slamming them together. I mean, it, it, you know, I guess it's kind of like, you know, just taking all your action figures, you know, like, Hey, I've got my star Wars action figure here. I got my WWE action figure here and I'm just going to slam them together and make my own story. I mean, it's, I, I guess I'm just a giant kid like that. Um, you know, I do, I do remember going to see the first, uh, expendables in theaters with my, my buddy, Tony and, he was less than impressed with the movie, and I know he he rolls his eyes whenever I talk about Expendables movies because he he doesn't get it, and that's fine. You know, it's not for him, and that's you know that that's another another thing. Maybe I'll I'll tie into that. Is you know, it's like it's it's okay to not like something. You know, just don't don't 
shame somebody else for liking something. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I remember seeing the first one and man, if there was ever a movie that was just made for me, I mean, you had the one liners, you had action that was just for action's sake, uh, you know, getting to see all these, you know, old, you know, seeing Stallone and Schwarzenegger and, uh, Bruce Willis and, Freaking, you know, all these people, Dolph Lundgren, you know, coming back. And, you know, it'd been the first time I'd seen Dolph Lundgren in a movie in a long time at that point. You know, it, it just, it hit everything. It it checked every box of what I needed at that, you know, in that moment. And every time I turn it on, I have the exact same amount of fun. And I don't feel guilty about that. So once again, not guilty pleasure, just cinematic junk food. Um, you know, the second one, eh, I was happy they introduced uh, Van Damme in there, especially considering they just, they put like no work into his vil- his uh, his character's name. He was just Villain. I'm like, yeah, that was, that's, that, that's 80s right there. Just don't, don't even try. Just make up a name that makes it clear you're a bad guy and go with it. Um. You know, but the other the other thing that kind of struck me though with the the Expendables movies is it wasn't about like even the first one wasn't just about those old action stars. I mean, you also brought in people like Jason Statham, who wasn't really you know who's who's on the rise, and Terry Crews, and then you had uh, Randy Couture coming into acting and playing a decent part as uh, oh was was he Toll Road or. I can't remember what his name was. <laughs> they all had cheesy names. Um, but yeah, it's like, you know, you had Randy Couture and he put in a decent action performance. I mean, it wasn't going to, you know, wasn't going to get any awards. It wasn't going to make, you know, didn't make him look like he was, uh, he had very much range, but he didn't need to. He just had to be on screen shooting shit and punching people when he needed to. You know, then you bring in Stone Cold. Uh, you know, Stone Cold pops up in, and there is one of the the like henchmen to the bad guys, and even he puts in a great performance. But then again, I thought, oh, I'm trying to remember the name. Like, I, there was a there was a movie he did that was a WWE film that was actually really good, and it was probably the first of the the WWE films that really was good. Um. I can't remember what it was, but anyways, you know, it's like, and I remember thinking, God, he, he can actually somewhat act. I mean, I guess that's what he does for a living anyways. I mean, he's out there in the ring and he's not, you know, he's just playing himself amped up. So why couldn't he play another character, you know, in a, in a movie or something? But, uh, yeah, I just, I have so much fun with those Expendables movies. Cause I mean, yeah, you do kind of get the best of both worlds. I mean, sure. By the third one you're getting, you know, you've got, all the old, the old guard. And then you also bring in, you know, uh, j- just to finish it off, you bring in, um, you know, Mel Gibson is the main villain. And I thought he did a really good job at once again, just chewing some scenery for that villain role. Uh, Antonio Banderas's character actually was surprising uh, kind of like a breath of fresh air to that franchise. Cause he also kind of brought in actually an emotional range for once. I mean, his character is just God awful annoying the whole time. And then when you finally get the, the, the payoff to 
what this guy went through, it's kind of like, oh my God, there's actually a, a, a deeper range here. It's not just, you know, going balls out action this time. But then you did introduce things like Ronda Rousey, who I don't think, as far as lines line delivery wise, she's not a great actress, but I think she she can hold her own in an action flick. Um, uh, God, I'm trying to remember the other people they introduced in that one is the because like, I don't think they really brought in too many other big names as the 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 new guard kind of thing. But then you know, heck, I I I remember I saw the third one in theaters with my nephew, and we went we went and saw it, and of course you know Wesley Snipes shows up in the third one, and. The beginning of the movie is all just a heist to get him off this prison train or something. And once they get him off the train, I remember Jason Statham's character pulls him aside and asks him what he was in what you know what he was in prison for. And Wesley Snipes just deadpan says tax evasion. And for some reason, you know, like probably because it's him totally poking fun at himself. I was laughing. My nephew didn't get it because, you know, he was, he, you know, he, I don't think he was really old enough to remember when, you know, Wesley Snipes went to prison for tax evasion. Um, but yeah, so there's that. And then, or, I mean, and they did the same thing in the second one, you know, like I said, not really the strongest in the series, but, you know, Dolph Lundgren, who, you know, anybody who does their research will find out, man, that guy is like a genius. He just doesn't always look like it. Um, but he's also a great action star, so he puts in, you know, he puts, you know, he he went all in on the the action after getting on uh, or into acting after he uh, got Rocky Four. But, um, yeah, the guy's like a some kind of physicist, I want to say, and you know, they make a joke about that in the second one. You know, they're locked, they get a uh, locked in a a cave because of an explosion, and he's chipping some some stone something off the stones of the wall and combining it with something he found on the floor or whatever and somebody asks what he's doing he's like oh i'm combining this blah 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 with this chemical down here because with those two things you can make i want to say it was like phosphor bomb or something like that i can't remember it was just it was ridiculous but it was fun and everybody you know everybody looks at sylvester stallone who's like does that really work he's like well, he used to be, you know, he used to be a blank and he, he, he makes a reference to him being some kind of, you know, really smart person before he became a, a mercenary. And it just, it, once again, it tickled me the fact that, you know, you're taking that little bit of real life and throwing it in there for, for a humor factor. And the fact that these actors acknowledge that, you know, they're not, you know, it's, it's not to be taken seriously. And maybe that's what makes the whole, you know, movie so bad it's good is when you have the actors that aren't afraid to make fun of themselves a little bit I guess go that extra mile to kind of just play into the camp um you know snakes on a plane I remember people just trashing that movie when it came out because you know they watch the trailer and they see the movie and like that movie is just stupid and I'm like yeah but I could watch a trailer and tell you that movie was gonna have was was supposed to be just so much camp that you know you, you might want to bring your marshmallows and your hot dogs to roast because I mean Samuel L. Jackson is is a damn good actor and you could just watch a trailer and tell he was he was hamming it up for that role so why would I go into that expecting it to be a serious movie plus the movie's called Snakes on a Plane 
I mean, that's the most generic title. It might as well have been a sci-fi movie. And I was okay with it. I had fun with it. It was stupid, schlocky fun. So, you know, I mean, but, you know, these are, these are my, these are my musings, I guess. Um, I had another thought in mind as far as movies that were, that like, I love that people just give me shit about, but I mean, I guess I'll just lean into the horror movie side of things. I mean, there's. With horror movies, you have those ones that are, you know, like Get Out or uh, stuff like that, where you have these like really thought provoking messages kind of. Hand, or, or the the one I just watched not not too long ago, Train Busan, which was a a very deeply emotional zombie movie. I mean, zombies are almost secondary to the the core story of that. And I gotta wonder why I put off watching it for so long. I mean. I have, I know, I have no problems watching watching movies with subtitles. I mean, I love Guillermo del Toro, but for some reason, I kept putting it off watching. Maybe it was because it was a zombie movie, and I'm not really into the zombie film. I'm not really a big zombie movie fan. Um, but you know, I I watched that one, and that I mean, there, that had some thought provoking messages there, and it was a really deep story. But not all of them have to be. I mean, hell, I can enjoy. Uh, Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, knowing it's not as good as anything that came before it, and it probably should have never existed, but I can, I will gladly watch Freddy using, turning his hand into the power glove and killing a guy with video games. I mean, that right there just, that sentence alone sounds retarded, or sounds out there and ridiculous, and I love every second of it. Um... You know, like, yeah, the first movie and New Nightmare are very serious movies. Very, you know, very well-produced movies. And then you get to the second one and, you know, like, I, I have arguments for the second one on why it's good. I don't think it's a great movie, once again, but it's it's not in the so bad it's good category. I mean, it's definitely its own thing. And then three, I love three, but then, you know, four on... It for it's a new nightmare. I mean, it's just camp. I mean, Freddy's dropping the one-liners, but that's great. I mean, that's what made Freddy his own thing in the long run, wasn't it? I mean, everybody else was just kind of doing the silent killer thing, and here Freddy is, is, you know, popping out of a waterbed and killing somebody, and asking them, "How's this for a wet dream?" or Smashing a chick's face into the TV and telling her, welcome to prime time, bitch. You know what I mean? Where, where's the, you know, the, it's that fun level. Um, and I guess that's what makes, to me, cinematic junk food great. Is you've got to have that fun level. You've got to have that feeling that, you know, they weren't intending to be, you know, for this movie to be taken seriously. Um it's been a long time I've watched it, but Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. That movie is pretty much known for being one of the worst movies ever made. You know, it the special effects are bargain basement, and it's better for it. It's just a ridiculous movie. And it's not one I'd watch on a regular basis, but goddamn, I have fun watching that movie. Um, Or, oh God, I... I just thought of another one in it. Oh, Troll 2. 
that movie has such a huge fucking following, and it is a horrible movie. The acting's terrible. The story makes no sense because there's no trolls. You know, it's it was this, a movie that was made and then just kind of, I, I'm pretty sure it was just retooled to be a, a sequel to Troll. Because it had nothing to do with Trolls. It was actually like Goblins. And the acting was terrible. But it, there's a whole documentary about how it's the best, worst movie ever made. Um, And I love the fact that there are people who are willing to embrace that kind of stuff. I mean, it's, you can't. Why does everything have to be taken so seriously? Um, you know, God, I, I, I can't get over the, the fun of, of watching a, a bad movie. Um, you know, heck, even Deep Blue Sea, which has its own merits as being a decent movie, has some seriously cheesy stuff in there. I mean, like, the special effects don't hold up worth a damn, but it actually makes it better to me to some extent, you know. Especially the, okay, you know, spoilers for Deep Blue Sea, a movie that came out probably close to 20 years ago, but here we go. Um, you know, the scene where Samuel L. Jackson dies, I mean, that that was a genius scene, but the, the special effects are ridiculous. I mean, watching him get walking around that pool and giving the, you know, the big rah-rah speech and, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to get through this and blah, blah, blah. And the whole time I'm thinking, man, this guy is good as dead. He is a... He is in a horror movie, standing next to a pool with giant sharks, not too far away, probably. And let's face it, because it was a horror movie, he's black. It means it, it usually means he's he's gonna bite it. But you know, yeah. So he's walking by this pool and he's giving this speech, and you know, he gets to the end of that speech. I'm like, okay, maybe they are gonna, you know, maybe they're not gonna pan this out. Maybe this is just a setup. And then sure enough, that shark jumps up and just drags him off with his foot feet twitching and. Thing and my God, I jumped. I'll freely admit it. I saw it in theaters and I jumped. But after that, I was rolling. I love that sequence. Um, and you know, I've I've never heard Samuel L. Jackson talk about it, but I'm I gotta believe he had fun doing that role because even he seemed like he wasn't you know once again just like snakes on a plane. He wasn't. Ta- he didn't seem like he was taking it seriously. He seemed he knew he was in a a fun just a fun movie, so he was leaning into it. Um. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I may be, you know, kind of running running out of steam on this one, so I may have to, like, shift gears into some of my other topics because I really had no no core plan on this. I just figured I'd start by talking about the uh, the cinematic junk food that I love. But, um, yeah, so maybe I'll... I'll I'll kind of do, do this as kind of like a shifting gear or a, a kind of like a train of thought thing. Cause I mean, I could, I, I also, I also have things like, you know, like how many, you know, like I, I hate that horror movies get a bad rap with like most, you know, like common cinema goers. Um, so yeah, I mean it, it, it bothers me because it's like, you know, there's there's just as much art in a lot of horror movies. But it kind of goes unnoticed. You know, it seems like anybody above a, a certain level has their high, their nose so far in the freaking up their own ass that they don't, they can't, you know, you know, they, they have to take off their pants to wind their watch kind of thing. Um, 
and that that bothers me. You know, it's like you know, and then why 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 is that? Why can't why can't you take a movie that is good and just admit it's a good movie and not have to be like, oh, it's a good movie, but it's it's not a horror movie. I mean, like you know, examples like Get Out, genius movie. Only watched it once. Only needed to watch that movie once. I I like the movie, but it's it was just a little heavy for me. Um. But, you know, yeah, that movie is is brilliant, and yet, you know, you go to, you know, you, you listen to a lot of people talk about it who aren't into horror, and they're like, oh, I love that movie, but that's not a horror movie. That's a, you know, that's just a suspense, or, you know, or they come up with, um, I, I, I didn't hear, I didn't know about this this term until uh, I started listening to a, a podcast that breaks down the, the history of horror movies, like one term, you know, one, uh, genre of horror at a time and they keep mentioning elevated horror is the word for it and it just it sounds dirty to say that but you know it's like oh they have to call elevated horror because they can't just admit they liked a horror movie um you know shape of water very much a horror movie in some aspects i mean i i can see the arguments that it's not 100 percent a horror film but you still do have a monster that's like biting motherfuckers fingers off and shit but, you know, that's that's another whole thing because Guillermo del Toro, the real monster, is man most of the time. Um, but, yeah, so why is that? I, I, I got to wonder why it is people can't recognize it. Like, I, I just had a, a conversation with my buddy because I started watching um, the Exorcist TV show on Hulu. And I was shocked. And I'm like, I personally think it's it's a good step forward that Gina Davis is a main character in the first season of that show. I mean, yeah, she, where she was in the, you know, nineties. No, but she's still, she's still a name that brings some, some weight. And she's in there, you know, playing the, the mother of the, the possessed girl in there. And it's like, so I messaged him like, Oh my God, this is a, this is a big step. And he's like, well, yeah, well, she's on her way down. And I'm like, well, no, don't, don't make that thing. I mean, that's, that's still a name. And which then led us to, you know, he's, you know, him, he kind of was just, you know, kind of defending the people who are like, oh, well, you don't have to, you know, they don't have to win awards. I'm like, no, they don't have to win awards, but they should be acknowledged for the art that they are that without having to be dismissed. I mean, you know, yeah, her first movie was, or one of her first movies, I don't think it was actually her first movie, was The Fly, which was a horror movie, but I know even... I want to say even the director refused to call that a horror movie at first because in, in that, in that stance, I mean, there was a lot of, there was a lot of time for a while there where being pigeonholed as a a horror director was a bad thing. Um, But I don't see the problem because, you know, to me, horror and comedy are two of the, you know, have to be, and, and good drama have to be two of the, the hardest or have to be the hardest genres to work with because you have to get an emotion. So why can't we respect the people who are working to get that, that emotion of maybe it is discussed in like Eli Roth's sake with like, you know, a hostile movie or, getting the the scare of William Friedkin's The Exorcist, which he will go on record many a times as saying it's not a horror film. Or, um, 
The Shining. Never that one never scared me, but man, I was creeped the fuck out watching that movie. Um, but yeah, you know Stanley Kubrick. Oh, that's not a horror movie. That's a that's a a, 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 a psychological thriller. Like, no, it's a fucking horror movie. Call it what it is. I mean, stop, stop trying to cover it just because you're you're afraid. Of it. Why should you be afraid to admit what you you've made? To me, that lessens the art. That lessens the art of it. If you can't just admit what it is, I mean, um, at least Ridley Scott has freely admitted that Alien is a, a haunted house movie in space. Even though I, I think it's weird to call it a haunted house, but it is definitely a hor- like s- straight up claustrophobic atmospheric horror movie. Um, so. Yeah, I, I guess it's like I I would like to see that change. And seeing Gina Davis pop up in The Exorcist definitely did that for me. Um, And then, you know, then you have like how many... There's a lot of big name actors that got started in horror movies. And it's almost like most of them don't even acknowledge it. I mean, hell, the first Friday the 13th, Kevin Bacon was in there. And I want to say that was his first role. And he's on Friday the 13th. Do you ever hear anybody talk to him about, you know, do you, do you think he does any interviews about Friday the 13th? Or, I mean, then again, later on he's done, um, he did Hollow Man, which of course is Invisible Man, which, so he's, maybe, you know, maybe he's a little more open about it, So he probably, he might talk about Friday the 13th. I don't know. But I mean, you're talking about a, you know, accomplished actor who, yeah, he did, he did Friday the 13th. He's done Hollow Man. Well, I guess he's a bad example because he also did one of my favorite uh, movies, and you know, I'll I'll stand strong on the fact that it's actually better than the movie that was like it that came out, which is Stir of Echoes, which came out right alongside The Sixth Sense. Which Stir of Echoes was at least five times. I'm not going to even put a number on it. It's Stir of Echoes was the better movie to me. Um, because Stir of Echoes, I could I didn't feel if you knew that that twist, it didn't affect the movie at all. If you knew what the what the the payoff at the end of Stir of Echoes is, it doesn't hurt that film. Where the Sixth Sense, oh, I I respect what it did. You know, Shyamalan made that movie, and it it definitely was a a, a tentpole point in in genre filmmaking. But it wasn't nearly as good to me. But you know. Sp- and like I, I think I put it down to the fact that like you can get like one more viewing after watching it, knowing the twist, just to see all the little hints. Like you know, you know, I, I I'll, here we go. I'll even defend Sixth Sense in one way on this, and that's that like you know the scene at the the dinner table with his wife, and he's apologizing for being late, and she's, you know, she's kind of ignoring him, and you know he reaches for the check, and she grabs it first and pays, and. I can't remember what she says on her way out, but it's, it's a, there's that one scene I think is the best scene to me that kind of proves like the, the payoff at the end. But at the same time, you still know where, once you know what, what the ending is, it, it doesn't have that same power after like the second viewing after it's, you you know, you, you get one, I think you can get one more viewing because after I had it spoiled the first time. So watching that sequence, knowing what the end of it was, that was a real great scene to me because it did a really good job at playing this balance of, oh no, he's there, but 
he's not there. Like, you know, he, he is, he is there and it seems like he's there, but she's just mad at him because he didn't, you know, he was late for dinner on their anniversary or whatever. And, but really it's, she's talking to him, you know, she's kind of like just generically talking to him in the ether kind of thing, you know, cause she's mad he's dead or she, you know, she's hurt that he's dead or whatever. So, there's some really great connotation, like some really great like subtlety there, but yeah, I don't know. I just feel like the ending. Once you know the ending, it's not the same movie where Stir of Echoes was much better. Um, but back to you know like people who got their starts in horror. I mean, um, freaking Johnny Depp first movie Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, I think he did a couple interviews at some point in time because I want to say like I have a documentary about the making of all the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Uh, called Never Sleep Again. Really good if you if you're interested in the fine finer details of uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street uh, ser- film series. Um, but uh, yeah, and I think in there they had like a brief clip of him talking to someone on like one of like the inside the actor's studio or something like that, and he they ask him about playing Glenn in Nightmare on Elm Street, and all the only clip they really show of him is him saying, you know. It was, you know, I got swallowed by a bed. It was a fun role. Um, but you know, it's like, but do you see anybody like, you know, like there's not many people in heck Jamie Lee Curtis, the second scream queen only to her. Only her mother was before her as a scream queen. If you ask me, um, and then she comes along on Halloween and she becomes a scream queen. Even she like did not do anything to do with with Halloween after Halloween 2 for a long time. I mean, I think it was until you know, I think she it was around uh H2O so was it 20 years. You know, at H2O she came back and that was when she realized that this this movie was way bigger than it had any, you know, than she'd ever acknowledged and she started embracing it. And now we're getting, you know, I don't care for these newer ones, but you know, now we're getting more more Laurie Strode stuff. And I am all in for that because, you know, you know, it's, it's a fun, it's, I guess I don't care for the, the last two only because I think they lean too much into the, the gore side of it. When what made the original ones good, wasn't the gore. It was how much it didn't show you and left you to kind of fill in on your own. But that said, you know, seeing the, you know, the gun toting Laurie Strode preparing, you know, preparing to kill Michael whenever he finally comes after her because it wipes out everything that happened after the original Halloween movie. That's I'm all in on that. I mean, it was it was a good idea. It just hasn't really succeeded in the delivery 100 percent, but I'll still go see Halloween ends when it comes out. I mean, I'm not going to I'm going to stick it through and see if maybe the end makes the first two better. Um, which kind of leads me into, you know, well, well I'll, I'll shift gears again. Cause that kind of, that right there kind of leads me into my feelings on it's okay for something to not be your thing. Um, you know, I've, I, think the, the, the easiest way for me to put this is, you know, like, um, I was at the store, you know, last week, maybe. Um, well, I guess that doesn't help. But anyways, I went to a Walmart cause I wanted to buy a copy of the new Dune 
and it was sold out at most normal stores. So I go to Walmart, and all they have is their special edition, which is kind of cool in the long run. So I was okay. I paid the extra five bucks I'd had to pay. But so I pick up a copy, and I'm talking to this kid, and I'd say he's got to be maybe early 20s. And he's, you know, he's talking to me about, because I'd also looked at some Funko Pops because I'm a huge Funko Pop fan, and they had a special edition of Gage and Church from Pet Cemetery. Um, But, he, you know, he's talking about Funko Pop, and he's telling me how he has a lightsaber because he's, he's a huge Star Wars fan and a huge Iron Man fan. I'm like, oh, I'm more of a Thor fan, and we're, we're talking, and everything's hunky-dory. But then he mentions, you know, yeah, he's got this lightsaber and when you activate it it makes the usual lightsaber sound but then Jarvis's voice kicks in or something like that um and somehow it came around to he mentioned that the only good Star Wars movies were episode one through three and I found like it, it this it felt like this kid just slapped me in the face with a, a uh you know a leather glove and was challenging me to a duel it really did it it caught me off guard because <laughs> I'm like I couldn't think of it, and I so I had to kind of like backtrack myself instead of just getting completely offended and realize that was the per you know that that's fine, you know this kid probably grew up watching episode one through three the way I did watching four through six even though they weren't called four through six when I first met when I first watched them, I mean somewhere my parents still have the VHS copies of of Star Star Wars and. Nowhere on that box does it say Episode Four: A New Hope. It just says Star Wars. And then you had Star Wars: Return of the Jedi, or uh, Empire Strikes Back, and then Star. And then you had you know Return of the Jedi. And yeah, I mean, I think those are my my favorites because that's what I saw when I was. At that age, I mean, I grew up on those three VHS. I mean, I wore those things out, and then I remember we, me and my family went and saw all three of the the original ones when they re released them with like slightly updated like uh, uh, graphics, like with you know they they redid the the lightsabers a little bit, and I want to say they did like redid some space sequences. Unfortunately, I also saw all three of them when they re released them, and George Lucas put his hands in the pot again and added in like the the job of the hut sequence back into the first one. And it was horrible CGI and it scene made no sense. And then of course we get to return of the Jedi where he added in Hayden Christensen is, uh, uh, as Anakin Skywalker, the Hayden Christensen thing. That was like the biggest slap in the face I saw, but they weren't for me. And that's the easiest way. And that, that, that there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I really don't feel there's anything wrong with admitting something's not for you. Um, you know, like me trying to watch anything new based on most of the, the, the cartoon shows I watched as a kid, you know, like whenever they re-release a new GI Joe show, for some reason I pop in, they're just kind of curious. And then I'm like, why did they do that? Blah, blah, blah. And then I realized, you know, this isn't geared towards me anymore. This isn't made for the old fan base. This is trying to bring new kids in. And if it brings some new kids into, you know, into the world that I've been part of, that's awesome. Maybe eventually they'll, you know, like that kid will watch that new, uh, 
new Thundercats animated show, and they'll be like, you know, this is kind of cool. Oh, look, there was some older stuff, and they'll get and they'll find the older stuff. Maybe it'll be, maybe it'll be good. Maybe it'll be like, what the heck is this? Why the hell did this ever happen? But that's okay because the old ones aren't for them. It was for me, um, or my generation. Um, yeah, it, it, I mean that that goes everywhere though. I mean, even comics like a. Uh, you know, I, I find that in comics every now and then with, you know, they're they're trying to update these characters and, you know, like, uh, you know, Punisher, you know, there's kind of the sliding scale on his origin story. I mean, when he was originally, I want to say when he originally debuted and they started giving the origin story of who the Punisher was before he was the Punisher, it was like, you know, he's a Vietnam vet. And then, you know, you get to like the Thomas Jane stuff and some of the later ones where they kind of move his his origin story forward to where it's like, oh, he was in Desert Storm or something along those lines before he became the Punisher. And sure, that's a minor thing that doesn't really affect the character too much, but it does. I, I have known people that that's bothered. I mean, it's like because I, I really can't say one's worse than the other, but, you know, like, let's face it, Vietnam has still had a... I Thing, I feel has still had a bigger effect on the the you know you the the culture of the United States than Desert Storm has. Um. But yeah, so I mean, it's it's like that. There's those little things that you know it it's it's okay for things to be different. Um. Which is funny because I I also feel the same way. You know, like I wa- I can watch the John Carpenter Halloween, and then right afterwards turn on the Rob Zombie Halloween and re- re- you know completely respect both of them for what they do differently. You know, John Carpenter's Halloween is very much uh you know. Michael Myers isn't important. Like who he is and what made him what he was isn't important. It's just about, you know, he's this nameless face or well, I guess I should say nameless. He's this faceless killer that just won't stop. And that's, that was John Carpenter. Well then, you know, Rob Zombie comes along and he obviously has a love for the, you know, I mean, let's face it. Anybody who's on any looking into Rob Zombie, he is a huge horror fan. He obviously has a huge, he really liked Michael Myers. And so he decided to make that movie have a lot more to do with Michael Myers backstory. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, like I'm, I'm all in on seeing, you know, a version of Michael Myers where he, he grew up in a very dysfunctional, uh, situation. And so it's more of a nature versus nurture kind of thing. You know, it's like he, he grew up in this dysfunctional situation where of course he's going to be a little off, but that little off just exponentially got worse and got worse and got worse until he became what he became. Um, and you know, so, you know, but there, once again, like I, I don't blame people for not liking the Rob zombie. Cause it's not, you know, like you, you know, if you grew up watching, I mean, I, that, that the original Halloween came out before I was like two years before I was even born. But I did still see the original Halloween a long time before I saw the the Rob Zombie one. Um, hell, I saw probably most of the franchise before the Rob Zombie one. Um, I I will I will say though that there's 
like I, I do still find it hard sometimes when people state their opinions on liking something that I just don't get. Like I have had a few people come up and tell me, you know, oh, you know, this this remake of Nightmare on Elm Street is so much better than the original one. And I just want to smack the person because I'm like, I don't get it. But at the same time, I have to, you know, once again, acknowledge that that one was clearly not made for somebody who actually liked the original stuff. Um, the only thing that somewhat redeems that Nightmare on Elm Street to me is Jack Earl Haley, which I feel he had a horrible, horrible thing on, you know, a uh, weight on his shoulders to have to replace Robert England and make it, you know, without being held against Robert England. I mean, that's, that's, that's impossible. Um, or, you know, like, well, the same with most of the remakes. I mean, God, I, I find those, most of those remakes that, uh, Michael Bay's group did just ridiculous. However, I, you know, then you get to, we'll, we'll go back to Dune. Um, you know, with Dune, I, I love the eighties one. I mean, it's definitely not the same story. Once I read the book, I realized it's not very true to the the book and it cuts a whole bunch of stuff out to make room for stuff but it's a decent movie and i love this new one i mean both of those have come out in my lifetime and i can definitely i haven't seen any of the sci-fi channel ones so i still kind of want to find those mini series and watch them just to see how they do them kind of like james mcavoy plays somebody in one of them and that that always intrigues me but you know it's that kind of thing is it's kind of always cool though when that does happen. I guess you know when you got somebody who remakes something and they actually do it just as good. To me, I I would say I do like the 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 more recent Dune better because it's I had read the book. Of course, probably because I'd read the book and I'm watching that and I'm thinking, okay, this is going way more to the book. They completely de decompress the story again because in that first that uh. Was it David? Yeah, David Lynch did the 80s one. I mean, they, they compressed the hell out of that story just to try to make it fit into a, what, two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour time run. And there's so much depth to that book that it almost hurts the story to do that. Um, You know, and then, you know, it, this, this also kind of plays into the, you know, you get into the, the convert. you know, I'll, I'll go into the conversation of, you know, like, Who's the best James Bond? Um, to me, my favorites, probably because I grew up watching their movies more than anyone else's, is uh, Sean Connery and Roger Moore. Both of them, I will freely admit, you know, Sean Connery, there's some definite <sighs> troublesome stuff by modern day standards because, I mean, when the books were written, when the movies were made, the world was different. So the misogyny, the... Oh God, the racism. And I, I want to say it's uh you only live twice or whatever it is where he, he's supposed to go under the cover as a Japanese guy. And they basically just put this horrible makeup on him. Oh God, it's bad. But then, you know, then you have Roger Moore who, you know, still got the misogyny. Um, but the, it just was ridiculous movie. They were just ridiculous movies. I mean, the, the gadgets got way too over the top. I mean, then you get to Pierce Brosnan. But then I also really like, I think in hindsight, after seeing them 
a little more with a little more mature eye. I think Timothy Dalton is one of the best Bonds they ever did, and it's a shame that he gets overlooked because he only did two movies in the middle. You know, like in between was it Pierce? Uh, I think he was after Roger Moore, but before Pierce Brosnan. But at the same time, I don't like. I don't care for the the Daniel Craig ones for the most part. I don't find Daniel Craig as a a super engaging, not engaging, super. You know, I don't find him to be a very good Bond for some. There's something about his Bond. Like was again. I guess I just gotta say it's it's not my it's not for me. It's just like he like Casino Royale was really good because it was very stripped down. And he does have aspects of the Timothy Dalton era bond where it's, you know, very much, you know, this man's on the edge and it's like one, one little, one little slip and he could go, you know, he could fall. But like after that, like, you know, I I saw Skyfall. I thought Skyfall was okay. I thought it was more for Javier, Javier Bardem's character was really good. But I've also heard, haven't found anything to really back this up, but there was a version of Skyfall that I would have much rather seen where they were going to basically acknowledge the fact that uh, Bond is not a single person. He is a name and a code number. You know, the 007 and James Bond are just a, a name that is given to an agent. It's not a single person. So it was going to end there were rumors that they were going to do a version of that where basically the Javier Bardem character was basically going to be um, Timothy Dalton's Bond having gone off the rails sometime after what, it, you know, his, was it, was it License to Kill? Was it, was it License to Kill or Living Daylights, his second one? Anyways, the second one he did, um, you know, it was supposed to be like he went off the rails and they, they tried to burn him and it didn't work. And so now he's coming back for, you know, for vengeance. And I would have loved to have seen that. Um, Cause you know, I, I really feel that's the best way to embrace bond, to explain why you have all these different people who have played him now. And there's really no coherent, uh, chronology, chronolog- I can't think of the word for it. Uh, I can't pronounce the word for it pretty much. Uh, There's really no coherent timeline to those movies. Um, So I guess that goes into like me having to have my own head cannon for it of Bond is a name, not a person. Just like, you know, the way I get around dealing with the Jared, the idea of the Jared Leto Joker is I don't believe that's the original Joker. I believe he's either Tim Drake or Jason Todd, who was extremely just abused by the Joker before the Joker died or the original Joker died or whatever happened to him. And he was so like mentally destroyed by the event that he basically became the new Joker afterwards. And that is how I retcon in my head to be okay with at least the flashback Joker stuff in the first Suicide Squad movie. Um, I really think they should have left him out of the rest of that movie because I feel like his storyline of coming after Harley Quinn just made no sense in the long run. It just dragged the movie down upon other small things. But, um, you know, yeah, that that's kind of, you know, my way of saying, you know, it's like it's it's not for me, but 
you know, I'm, I'm happy people enjoy, enjoy it for themselves. Um, which, you know, it, which, which puts me into the, you know, just kind of the, the, the general statement of the, the wise man known as Brian Zane of like what you like and don't be a dick. There's no reason to be an, an asshole to someone just because they don't like the same thing as you. Yeah. There, there's times where, you know, it, it feels like someone's attacking your childhood by telling you, you know, the, the early nineties live action, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies are bad because it's just guys in rubber masks compared to the CGI stuff they did in those, those two Michael Bay ones. I mean, they're wrong for thinking those movies are are uh, are better. Are the uh, the older ones are are worse than the new ones, but that's only in my opinion. But at the same time, I don't I don't fault people for thinking it. It you know it's it's their their right to to feel that way. I mean, I have conversations on you know like I'm not going to get too deep in this because there is one. There is one specific case that I can think of off the top of my head where I believe the movie there, there's a movie in a trilogy that came out not too long ago where the first one is the best one where a lot of people think the second one is. And I, and I, I plan on doing that one another time when I have uh when I can get a guest host on here too, so that uh he can defend his feelings on it too. But I guess I'm going to just wrap it up here because I'm, you know, I'm just going stream of thought here and I'm, I'm running a little low. It is about five in the morning anyways, and I'm going to have to start winding down to get ready to go to bed. But, um, so yeah, I guess with that, I'll just say thank you for listening and I'll, uh, thank everybody who I normally thank, you know, for, for the support, Michelle, Tony, Chris, um, going to thank. Uh, spider once again out at five star for my uh, my glorious artwork and for my amazing tattoo work he put he's he's put on me can't wait till March when I go in for my next one um yeah so those are my oh and uh, if you want to get a hold of me with any kind of questions comments or heck topic ideas I'm I'm always looking for more topics that to talk about um Hence why I've got this one. I didn't really have one single topic. So I just went off the top of my head with this one. Um, you can reach me at standstrongcast at gmail.com. Um, and with that, I guess I'll just, I'll just bid you adieu and good day. Good day.